I'm going to start out with the prayer. It says, Dear Father in heaven, we come to thee in love and praise for all the blessings we enjoy, for the food we have to eat, for the water we drink, the remnant we wear, and the fresh air we breathe. We thank thee for our home, our loved ones, and that we live in a land and an age when we can worship thee openly. We thank thee for the open Bible, but above all, we thank thee that thou didst lead us out of darkness into light through the gift of thy dear son. Oh, Father, help us to become more worthy. Thy watchful care and love keep us in the straight and narrow path. Bless us in our plans and purposes, but defeat us in them if they lead us from thee. Help us to let our light shine and give us our souls for our higher. Give us souls for our higher in the name of the Lord we ask. In other words, evangelize somebody. Now, Father, I, I'm also going to pray that during this time of teaching and worshiping and preaching, that you will let your presence be powerfully manifested for the glory of God to literally fill the room and that you will give manifestations of angelic ministries for a unique and powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit to pour down upon us. For the prophetic spirit of God to rest on our worship leaders. For clear wisdom and ability to flow with the leading of the Holy Spirit and for what we've already experienced, the worshipers to embrace a call to holiness, but healed of diseases, refreshed by the Holy Spirit, touched by the power of God, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and set free from demonic spirits. Now I pray that there will be a deliverance from sin, from demonization and sickness during this teaching time, that conviction will rest on the word to minister salvation to non-Christians, and clearer revelation to the body of Christ, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will powerfully fall during the preaching of the word and continue to reveal to me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise the Lord. Before I get into the book which we're doing a series on, I, I, I want to open up with a scripture that keeps knocking at me and is in the book of Amos because we are right now experiencing this right now. And in the book of Amos, and it's Amos chapter 8, verse 11, and it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. It's not that the words are not being spoken, but we're not hearing. And now there are some situations where maybe the word is not being spoken, but we're not hearing. And that's a problem that's going on right now in our universe, that we're not hearing and listening for the word of God. We want to be entertained. We want to feel good all the time. 
And we don't want to make any kind of sacrifices in order to hear from God, to see God. And we see God in the relationship with him as he manifests himself through answers. Amen. We have to put something in in order to get something out. And when we begin to make him the priority and the number one person in our lives, we will see greater than what we've seen. And we'll be able to do more than what we've been able to do in our natural flesh. Amen? Amen. What we need to understand, and I've said this on many occasions, that we need to be consistent. Now, Satan is defeated by consistency. Satan is defeated by consistency. Okay? That means we are not consciously waging war with words of battle against Satan. You know, like how we have learned to come to say, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says the Lord rebukes Satan. I bind you. Satan get, you know, oh, we're good at doing all of that. But that's not the consistency of a battle that God has called us to. Okay? The battle that we need to be fighting is against our own thoughts. Negative thoughts. Thoughts that doesn't edify you nor the hearer. And it certainly doesn't draw the glory of God to come down from heaven onto earth. Okay? We have to battle our thought life, which is what Paul has told us to do, to cast down vain imagination. So that means just because you're thinking it doesn't make it right or give you the right to just ponder on it. Okay, we need to cast it down like immediately. And so the battle that we battle with is having positive thoughts so that we can speak words of affirmation that we have put into our heart that has transformed us to become like the new person we're supposed to be based on our salvation. You see, God isn't double-minded, and his angels only move on behalf of his command. Okay? Now, when I say God isn't double-minded, see, because, see, we sit and we think and we do whatever we want to do, and then when there's a great need, a 911, we call him up. So we're going back and forth. Amen? He don't function like that. And guess what? You put Satan, you have employed him with your negativity. And then you begin to speak those things that will cause him to do what he needs to do. He, He doesn't, he's not able to read your mind, but he is able to read your actions. And your thoughts will now cause you to act out what you have been pondering over. Amen? Amen. 
Now in Psalms 92, let's go over there for a minute just to prove what I had to say about the angels because, you know, I hear people trying to tell an angel what to do, and, and that's not biblical. So, um, Psalms 103, and we're going to read verses 19 through 22, and it's going to verify what I said. It says, The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength and do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Did you hear what, he, what it says? So the only time that what you say will cause your angels to move is because you're speaking the word. So when you pray the word, declare the word, war in the word, the angel have to operate according to the declaration, according to what's coming out of your mouth, because it is the command of God. And when they don't hear that, and when you're talking negative conversation, you have them in the unemployment line, and you have just employed Satan's imps to work against you, and you don't even realize it. So... We have to learn to speak out what thus says the Lord concerning every given situation. Stop rehearsing the issue and put word to it to change it. 21 says, bless ye the Lord, all ye his host, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. We bless the Lord when we say what is right in his sight and what he has already commanded and written and says, this is what I want you to do. That is our purpose. Amen? Amen. And we're not blessing him when we are rehearsing gloom, doom, and every other negative thing that has happened or is going on in your life. That most of it, we employed. So, if you cast down the thoughts ahead of time, then you won't have to reap the consequences of your decisions. Amen. So when the thought comes in, you, you immediately, because you have the spirit in you, you know what's right. Amen. You know what's wrong, but it just makes you feel good. Okay? So immediately you've got to say, I cast that thought down. Because it's coming against the knowledge of God. Amen. And it's trying to exalt itself above him and that's not happening because I'm not deceived by what you're doing Satan so we must think godly thoughts and not what if <laughs> oh you, you, you know we can sit up and think some what ifs quickly this is what motivated this part of, uh, of the message from this morning because I had a what if moment and then I had to say wait a minute Ain't no what if. <laughs> okay? Because when we say, oh, what if such and such and such and such, what you've done is that you have just lifted the covering of God off of you and you have come from up under his protection. It's not like Satan is so powerful that all you have to do is just say what if and he reap havoc. It's no, what you've done is you've become uncovered and say no, he can have a field day. Mm. Are y'all with me? Yes. So use your imagination of how well you can speak the word Amen. and not on that other stuff. Amen. 
because if we don't focus on keeping our thought life in line with God's word, then we are not allowing the spirit to control our lives and direct us. And the Bible tells us in Galatians 5 to walk in the spirit. That means to live, to live. Walk Hebrew in that sentence means to live in the spirit so it's it's a practice you can't live somewhere that you have not prepared you have to practice living in the spirit so in order to walk in it it has to be a conscious thought to tear down all of the negative thoughts that you've got so that the holy spirit can direct your path and direct you out of the spirit of darkness and the spirit of deceit Because we must walk in the spirit. And so when you're walking in the spirit and focusing your thoughts where they need to be, now you are consistent. And when you are consistent, now you have annihilated Satan. He has no power. Consistency breaks the back of Satan. Not that one time that you can be loud and sound religious and think you're powerful. No, be consistently saying those things that Satan can't handle because he can't handle a lover. And a lover of God don't battle one day and live like hell the next day. Our walk in life with Christ is not a special one or two day out of the week. It's a 24-hour. What we heard this morning from Audrey, he says to talk the word 24-7. Get up, go to bed, post it on the porch, put it on your eyelids, let it flicker all day long. It is not a one or two day if I feel like it. It is a 24-7 lifestyle. And that's where we're having our problem because we want to do it when we want to do it, not at any other time. If you're going to serve God, you serve God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, not part of you and on certain occasions. Okay, I'm going to get in the book. And the title of this book, this is part two. We started last week. The title of this book is Unsaved Christians. Oh, it's quiet. (laughs) Unsaved Christians. Work on us, Lord. Okay, you know what? I got to read this based on what all I just said. I got to read this. I'm telling you, today is is just really going to be different for you guys, okay? But uh, ask God to give you a spirit of reception. Because <laughs> it's all good. Amen. It's all good. Based on uh, all that I had just previously said, and one of my devotional books is called The Upper Room that I was blessed with. And, um, and, and today's message was so in line with all of this. Practice makes perfect. Remember I said be consistent? Practice makes perfect. And so the scripture that the person uses to support this is out of Philippians 4, 4, 9. And so we all are familiar with this. We recite it, but we don't do it. It's, and it says, what, think on these things, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So this is the devotion. A friend expressed surprise when I played a Chopin waltz after decades of neglecting the piano. I explained that it was mu- muscle memory, muscle memory. The reason why we can 
can quickly recall certain abilities learned through repeated motions. Amen. Repeated motions, it becomes habitual, okay? Practice makes perfect. My mother used to say, as she made sure I did my daily half hour of piano exercises, or whenever I struggled to learn a new skill, of course she was right. Repetitive actions become embedded in our memory until they are automatic. This, this explains why we can still remember multiplication tables <laughs> on how to ride a bicycle or uh, even years later. Now, I remember I went to, to, to Catholic school and you, we had to learn the timetables. You had to recite them. Okay, and so that's why I can understand math today because it's the foundational, fundamental of understanding math, whether you do algebra, geometry, or whatever, okay? It says, but there's also a kind of practice that makes imperfect repeated negative thoughts, complaining, criticizing, and dwelling on anxious or bitter thoughts can become ingrained in our minds. God has been speaking to me about certain negative thought patterns that are not pleasing to God. By thought stopping, thought stopping, casting down vain imagination, and asking God to transform me through the renewing of my mind. I am learning to overcome this bad habit with one that brings me closer to God instead. And so the prayer that's, that she's praying to support this is, Dear God, Thank you for your patience with us. Help us as we work to rid our minds of negative thoughts and instead focus on you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, in our book, where we left off at um, last week, and I said I was, I'm going to go as long as the Lord tells me to, so I'm not going to tell you we're going to go through this whole book together, but I admonish you to get the book, and you need to read the whole book. This book is good. Um, um, I have to repeat this each time because somebody different is here. Is that um, Jan sent me this book while I was on vacation. She sent one to both myself and my daughter while I was on vac on vacation um, through the mail. And I, you know, I was only going to be gone two weeks, so I know it had to be the Holy Spirit to make it for her to be, for it to be so important that she got to send this book. Uh, how did you send it? UPS. UPS. Okay. And I'm like, well, what's going on? But when I opened the book, I'm like, yes. Okay. And she says, I, I knew you would really enjoy this because this is what you talk about all the time. The unsaved Christian. Now we left off, because um, I'm not going back over what I read last week. So where we left off at, I'm going to continue, which was this, the author was talking about uh, his friend, college friend who was getting ready to go do some missionary work in another country and he's feeling all bad and he need to pray for him to support him and his friend tell him I need to pray for you because you got the challenge because you're getting ready to go into this the community where everything is just wonderful and perfect to try to minister to people who think they're saved and are not saved <laughs> and he's going where they don't know and when they hear they'll be glad to receive amen so, okay, picking up where I left off at, and he says, the words of my friend Matt used to challenge me in that parking lot 
have been confirmed since I moved back home to pastor in a city saturated with cultural Christianity. And this is, this is the first uh, unsaved Christian, okay? Indeed, there is familiarity with church and Christian lingo, but a familiarity with the gospel is hard to find. To add to the problem, the church often assumes the gospel. As a result, people can camp out in churches for years and never hear what the Bible actually says. What an opportunity to make a great commission impact. But Matt was right when he said it was difficult. Reaching people who think they are fine is a seldom discussed starting point for evangelism or local church ministry. Getting someone who thinks he's a Christian to see that he is actually not is a delicate and sensitive endeavor, but not unique to our time. Jesus himself and the greatest sermon ever preached reminds us that being religious but not saved is not unique to our day. The Sermon on the Mount is our starting point for understanding cultural Christianity, where Jesus addresses the distant cousins of the modern day, modern day over church under reach, those who were religious but not repentant. Now, don't make the mistake to think confession is repentance. Confession is the beginning of repentance. If you don't confess it, then you can't walk into the area to repent. And repent means to turn from to. So you turn from the wicked evilness to righteousness in God, okay? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Jesus wasn't speaking about atheists, agnostics, pluralists, or secular humanists. That's who you would automatically think about, right? Mm -mm. He wasn't talking to them. He was directly describing moral and religious people doing good religious acts in the name of God. These were the Tom Brady's of religious observance. They had a collection of lanyards from conferences that would make any worship leader jealous. Religion was deeply embedded into the routine of their lives, which gave them full confidence that their acts of righteousness built an impressive resume, setting them up for a big payoff in heaven. The old adage that it, it isn't what you know, but who you know, rings true for these religious all-stars and their impressive accomplishments. They might have been religion, but they didn't know the Redeemer standing right in front of them. And therefore, what they knew didn't really matter all that much. Consider the petitions Jesus gave us, an example in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, and our modern context. I believe his example will translate to our area, area, area like this. Didn't we say grace before dinner? 
traditionally you pray. It's down packed so that you don't even realize what you're saying. Didn't we vote our values but not the Lord's? Didn't we believe prayer should be allowed in school? But you obviously didn't believe too strongly because you didn't have enough faith to fight for it to stay. Didn't we go to church? Mm-hmm. You were present, but Jesus wasn't. Didn't we believe in God? Well, what about Jesus? He said, you have to come to me to get to the Father. Didn't we get misty eyes whenever we heard God Bless America song at a baseball game? <laughs> and afterwards, out of sight, out of mind. Didn't we give money to the church out of mandatory obedience or out of love? Didn't we treat women with respect, outwardly respect, but no inward value? Didn't we own Bibles that sat on the shelf, on the tables, with full of dust, because you didn't open them to read them? Didn't we get the baby christened by the priest? I like this, because that's going to happen today. No, I just lied. God forgive me. No, we're not having a christening. We're having a dedication. It's a big difference, OK? Because after the baby was christened, there was no other further training. Even the godparents that you selected to stand up there with the baby probably haven't seen the baby since then. Didn't we want America to return to its Christian's roots, but did nothing about it? Didn't we stay married and faithful with no real or regard to covenant, which is the real intimacy? When we focus on what's important and what is necessary, then it will last. You can stay married, but are you in covenant? It's the same as being an unsaved Christian where you go to church, but you don't know Jesus, who we are in covenant with. Amen? The term self-righteousness often comes with a connection to being superior or rigid legalism. And while those might be results of self-righteousness, the root of self-righteousness is the belief that your own personal works justify you before God. Self-righteousness believe that you are good enough or can be if you try hard. Many people function as if they don't need saving, but that doesn't change the reality that God has given only one mediator and one atonement and that there is no exception clause. When you think that you can get it right, you're delusional. What you have to do is be open to the fact that you need to be right and you need some help. And there's only one person that can do that. And that is Jesus Christ. But the problem is the reason that you don't try him and come to see him and find out more about who he is, because see, he has many names. And the only way that you get to experience those names in your life is that you cry out to him, you call on him at a time of need. And based on the need, he shows up in that particular name. And then you get to know who your savior is. But if you don't think that you are wrong, 
you don't realize you need help. And if you're delusional to think that you can help it and change it when you've lived all of your days like that, you never get to see who your Savior is. And we need to wake up and repent of our ignorance and our pride and our ego and false vanity so that Jesus can come in and do the necessary work that you thought you could do. Well, I'm going to change. No, you're not. You can't. The what we do is say yes to Lord. Lord, I am fill in the blanks and I need you to fix me. I need you to change me. I need you to heal me. And I'm not talking about physical infirmities. I'm talking about emotional, mental infirmities. I need you to heal me. I need you to change my thought life so that it lines up and it equals up with who you say I am when I accepted you as my Lord and Savior. So that I can walk as this newborn person. I can walk in the righteousness. I've been marked righteous, but am I walking the righteous walk? Am I being who you say I am by my being truthful and faithful to you? But you can't be truthful to God when you're lying to yourself. Well, if you keep lying to yourself, you can't be truthful to God. He knows your thoughts before you think them. So this is why we have to ask him to change my thought pattern. And that, Lord, I am willingly reading your word to be transformed as I renew it by your word. I don't want to be like this any longer. Because, Jesus, you are the one that went to the cross and shed your blood that atoned me from everything. His blood shed on the cross atoned you from sin and delivered you from eternal death. As a believer, you don't die. But one time, and that time is on this side of heaven, which means you died to self, you died to the flesh, you died to strongholds, you died to everything that keeps you from walking the righteousness that you've been marked. And after that, you don't die anymore. Amen. You eternally with our Father who art in heaven. But if you don't do that, you're going to die twice. And there is an eternal death. I want eternal life in Christ. So when this body decays, my soul lives on with Christ. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. It says, didn't we versus didn't he? We need to change our language. Didn't I? No. Didn't he? That reality has changed the way I view the mission field. These petitioners Jesus spoke of love to say, didn't we, when they should have been saying, didn't he? 
They should have put their trust in a righteousness outside of themselves, one that only Jesus could provide. But there was only one didn't that Jesus answered with, and from his own words, it was that he did not know them. This may sound strange because Jesus certainly knew them in a literal sense. The one whom the scriptures state is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. And that's found in Colossians 1, 15 through 16. Certainly knows each person by name, but but not knowing them, he meant he did not know their spirit, know them spiritually because of their sin. You see, he don't have fellowship with sin. He cannot fellowship with sin. This is why when we sin as a believer, we need to be quick to confess it and ask the Holy Spirit to work God's goodness in us to replace the the emptiness that is in us. Let me tell you, when the Lord delivers you from something, that spot that was occupied by an unclean spirit becomes empty. And if you don't put the word in that spot, it stays empty for seven more greater to come back in and reoccupy. Now it's harder if you can't get delivered. Amen. Amen. That's why don't worry getting delivered. We want we want a miracle microwave. We want to come up. Oh, she's so highly anointed to lay hands on me and I'd be free and delivered. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You better get in the face of the Lord and cry out to him to set you free. And then tell me, Lord, what to replace what you just taken out of me, how to replace it with your word. Fill yourself up with the word. So because the same spirit's going to go out and get some more and bring them in, and it's going to be greater than how you were before. Do you realize that? That's why people like, I thought I was delivered. Well, there's two things you can think about. One is, you just got all excited and happy and went on about your business and greater came in and re. Or the other is, you didn't get delivered from the tree. You just got delivered from a branch. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So just keep on, keep on going. Keep on seeking, keep on waiting till he cleans that tree down. Turn it into like a Christmas tree that d- and all of the branches is gone and all you see is a stem. And when you hallelujah, Jesus, let him tear it down so then he can dress it up and put his fruit on it. There's nine fruit that he want to dress you up with. But he can't, uh, but if he took it all off at one time, it would kill us. So he takes it one by one and he dresses us gradually, one by one. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Don't get weary in well-doing because if you faint not, you shall reap. Hallelujah, Jesus. You don't have to fret and worry. You serve the most powerful God in the world. 
the God who has all authority. So stop fretting and worrying about how, when. Just say, God, take it. Here I am. Have your way. Do what you want with me. I'm ready to receive, and I ain't going nowhere till you bless me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay, he didn't know them spiritually. Jesus declared, I never knew you. He was claiming that they were not his disciples. They were not his family and stood as unforgiven lawbreakers. Whoa, I don't want him to not know me. I want to be part of that family. Because being part of his family, the Bible says, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. They may have known the Jewish religion, ritual, and duty, but they didn't know Jesus Christ. Okay, we are guilty of the same thing. Let me say that again. They may have known Jewish religion, ritual, and duty, but they didn't know Jesus Christ. You see, that's why I said I don't, why I don't like to do stuff traditionally, because it profits us what? No, I want God to show up, come in to us, so we can do exploits. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. They were on a wide road that would lead to their destruction, even though their religious Resumes left them assuming they were just fine. You have a resume? (laughs) The reality calls us to missional urgency to reach those in our services who are comfortable with Christian lingo but have no understanding of the truth. Those that kind of fish, you remember the commercial about Charlie the Tuna? Okay. You know, they they just sound good, look good from the outside, but they're not good, okay? You don't want to be that kind of a Christian. The message remains, no saving faith exists apart from commitment to Jesus Christ and belief in his gospel. I got to repeat that. The message remains, no saving faith exists apart from commitment to Jesus Christ and belief in his gospel. What is his gospel? Because see, we get, a, we get a lot of gospels preached and doctrines preached, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus shed his blood for our sins. Jesus nailed it all on the cross. And Jesus completed the work on the cross, came off the cross, was buried in the ground, and rose three days. And in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, we live. We live and we can overcome. That's the gospel message. While the number of those who check no religion on a survey might be rising, politicians still invoke vague language about God in their speeches to appease the millions of Americans who get goosebumps singing God Bless America at baseball games. This God they are singing of, however, functions more like a national mascot than a God who demands our faith and repentance. The church must awaken to the reality that this is a false gospel with eternal consequences. 
Culture Christianity is a mindset that places one's security in heritage, values, and rites of passages, such as First Communion or baptism from childhood. How many people have heard people tell me, I was baptized, I've been saved since I was a child. I don't understand how that happened. You were born in sin. And as a child, you really understood you were a sinner and that you needed a savior and you called on him and he saved you? Please. Another newscast, baptism don't save you. Amen. It's declaration to the world that you've been saved. Amen. Amen. Baptism from childhood and a generic deity rather than the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. See, we can worship all kinds of stuff and all kinds of situations and people and, and religion and all of that, but there's only one person that we're to worship and that is going to make a difference in your life if you do worship him, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 These false gospels pose serious challenges to pastors and local church members who are seeking to live on mission and remain faithful to the Great Commission where the Lord has them living, working, and being part of local life. In other words, it doesn't matter what your title is, what your office is, and what you're doing in the church. You can't do anything without the Lord, and your purpose and mission should be to serve him in spirit and in truth and to lead his people in the right way and not come into this for popularity, for favor, to be served, to impress, to be on TV and on radio because you're popular. Be on it because you want to reach the masses that you can't reach in your local community, but not because you want to be seen and known for popularity. Gospel believers who care about the souls of their friends, co-workers, neighbors, high school teammates, and families need to be knowledgeable about their mission field and understand the task at hand for those of us who live among cultural Christianity, the mission field. You don't just go out blindly. Mm. When you take that posture, Oh, we're going out to evangelize. It's about you. It is not about Jesus. Because what you need to be doing is be down on your knees as a group, asking God, where do you want me to go? When do you want me to go? And what do you want us to do when we arrive? Other than that, you're on your mission. You're not on his mission because he may send you somewhere that if you had the time to really predicate and think about it, you wouldn't go. But remember, wherever he sends you, he's with you, and he wouldn't be sending you to destruction on his behalf. Yeah, he equips those he calls. Yeah, 
And we need to be purposely praying ahead of time because God prepares the hearts of those who are lost to be able to receive. It's not because you showed up and you speak in tongues. It's not because you're so powerful in prayer. It's not because you know the word. It's because the Holy Spirit has prepared them. And when you go in his spirit and speak what's right at that moment, they are drawn and pulled in at that time. Jesus claimed he would tell those religious people to depart from him because he never knew them. What a statement and what a tragedy. Understanding this mission, mission field has led the church, I pastor, to clarity and intentionality as we minister to our modern day Matthew 7, 21, 23 community. Knowing the culture, religious landscape keeps us focused on gospel-centered efforts to see people moving from being Christians by culture to Christians by conviction. We know from Jesus himself that there are people who can be in the church but not of the church. And in fact, this is a building, we're the church. We know there are unsaved Christians and we know that Jesus will not be fooled even if the rest of us pretend to be. Now, a few questions. It's not many. Oh, great. Okay. It's just about four, and then I'm going to climax this. Questions for discussion and reflection. And you all may want to get the mic in case somebody wants to respond to some of these questions. I'm telling you, this is not your normal service right now because we want to be changed, we want to be delivered, and we want to be healed and free, okay? So I'm not going to do it the normal way. We're just, you know, going to follow the unction of the Holy Spirit. And this is an opportunity where it's going to be an open session for these four little questions. And if not, then we'll flow with the rest of the service, okay? Let me read the scripture out of Matthew 7, first of all. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. It says, and this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Do y'all hear that? And listen to what God said. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, evil. Why? Our ways seem right to us, but God ponders the heart, the motive for why you do what you do, why you act the way you act. What is the motive behind it? Amen? Amen. So are you doing it because it makes you look like a Christian? Are you doing it because you want some brownie points to make you feel more religious? Or are you doing it because your heart is grieved for lost souls? You know, in, in doing, doing this, I've been doing a whole lot of crying as I've been trying to um, preach and teach. And so I was, you know, kind of questioning God, but why do I keep crying like this? And he reminded me because the first 
call that I accepted was prophetess. And what he reminded me is that in the Old Testament, the prophets cried and grieved over the people. And that's why I cry so much, because he's having me to grieve. And if I grieve, then I'll have to do what he's telling me to do to try to reach people to come out of your culture, Christianity, and come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's by grace that we're saved. Grace that we were saved. You didn't get saved because you had enough sense to know you needed to be saved. It's grace that the Spirit drew you to him and you got saved. And, to, and then to get saved and then act like we got it going on and we have prejudices and oh, superstitions and all kinds of things that are going on in the congregation of the church like church was our idea. Like we instituted the church and, and, and we have dominion when we need to be focusing on who called us to stay in his purpose. First question, Matthew 7, 21 to 23 informs us that not every religious person will inherit the kingdom of heaven and not every religious person is known by God as an adopted member of his family. What is your gut reaction to that fact? Okay. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 informs us that not every religious person will inherit the kingdom of heaven. I hope you guys are convinced, because I know the first time I says, I don't like religion. I had some looks like religion is a spirit. We are Christians. Christianity. Do you know religion is a spirit? And, and guess, it's a branch. Guess what tree is on? Lying spirit. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You're pretending to be something you're not. Okay. Not every religious person will inherit the kingdom of heaven, and not every religious person is known by God as an adopted member of his family. We were adopted when we were born again. We were adopted into the family of, of heaven. What is your gut reaction to that fact? Oh, oh, we got some hands. All right now. It's the truth. Because, Amen. Uh, it says right here, it kept saying religion. Religious is, is a spirit. Right. They're not practicing Christianity in the commission of what Jesus wants us to do. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Uh-huh. My gut reaction is I'm looking at that of myself. <laughs> to make sure that I am going to enter into the gates. I'm like checking myself. Amen. That's, that's my gut reaction. Amen. And once God revealed things to you, you confess it, turn, and you're fine. Amen. So I have to uh, confess that I read this this morning. During my devotional time, I read Matthew chapter 7. Mm. And when I got to verses 21 through 23, um, it said in uh, 
the commentary is like the kingdom community must guard against not only false prophets, but also false disciples. Um, <laughs> That's Lord, Lord, an oral confession of Jesus as Lord does not always indicate a repentant heart. So this, it's exactly what you said. So when I read that this morning, I initially said, okay, so just because I say something, you know, and it sounds, like you said, sounds good, doesn't always mean that it is good. And it also um, tied into what we experience on Friday morning mm -hmm. at Morning mm -hmm. Glory mm -hmm. with the superstition mm -hmm. type of thing, mm -hmm. like things that mm -hmm. you do out of um, duty, and not because... Right, not because it's something that's in your heart mm -hmm. or that you're seeking God to get, you know, to mm -hmm. a place, a better place with him, but it's because you are trying to fit in with everything else and you're not really, there's no sincerity in it Amen. at all. Amen, amen, Because that, in Romans, it tells us you're saved, not because you just confess with your mouth, but what you're confessing is what you believe in your heart. And a lot of times it's just a verbal confession because somebody says, repeat after me. But when you're saying it, are you saying it from your heart that's going to bring the change? Uh, Pastor, uh, with me, I'm, I'm like a, a few other people, a lot of people. I'm, I'm tired of the false prophet, the false Christian. Uh, I've been in it for so long. It's a habit, mm -hmm. but since I've been listening to you, you your teaching, uh, I learned what I always say. I pray to God to open up my eyes, Praise the Lord. open up my my heart, and open up my ears. Yes, open yes. up my eyes so I can see mm -hmm. false prophets, mm -hmm. so I can see the the truth. Yes, the whole thing for me praying like that is to seek the truth. Yes, uh, just like I came in this this. Uh, this morning, I got on my knees, mm -hmm. and I prayed. And the first thing I said was, Heavenly Father, God, open up my heart mm -hmm. so I could feel your love, the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Open up my eyes so I could see your truth, mm -hmm. your light. Mm -hmm. Open up my ears so I could hear you. Now, what happened, it was like, peace be still with me. I, sometimes I be impatient. But I learned to be patient. Yes. Because God do things at his time when he get ready. Amen. So when I was on my knees, I would listen to people walking around me. I walk around the temple mm -hmm. praying, but it was faintly. Mm -hmm. But as I shut my mouth and, and hushed and prayed, it was it's, it's like a miracle. Things, the people stopped, the prayers was getting louder. <laughs> getting louder. And I feel it. And I, I feel it in my spirit. Mm. And after I got up, the first thing I said to myself was, thank you, Jesus, because he answered me. Amen. Because, see, you could pray the same prayer all the time, but a lot of times the answer come back differently. I never experienced what I experienced this morning. <laughs> never experienced that. I keep saying, open up my ears and open up my eyes and my heart. But he did, but he did it differently. He did it to, in a witching way that I finally got the light understood. So my thing is, I'm gonna keep praying. Amen. I'm gonna keep praying Amen. because when I open up my eyes, when He opened up my eyes, my ears, and my heart, I'm seeking the truth. Uh, because 
I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, and I want to, I, I, I open up myself to him. I give myself to him. Yes, yes, amen. Because he gives us revelation. And he gives us a revelation based on what we're dealing with at the time. He will give you revelation out of his word. You can read the same scripture over and over and over again and one day get something new out of it because you've been open to hear, to see, and to receive what you need at that moment. And so God is open up to give us revelation all the time, but you can't have your mind closed off to it. And at the same, same time when everybody's prayer was getting louder, I don't know if it's going to make sense, but it makes sense to me. The, this person walked by and said a prayer. This person walked by and said a prayer. I was getting messages from each one of them. Praise the Lord. It doesn't seem weird to me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was just, that you always talk about how God looks at our, at our motives and looks at our heart. So for me, I, I always, I'm not always uh, on the right track. But I do. I try to look at my motives for why I do what I do. And uh, because I think that is important. Because if you're doing it for show or you're doing it so people can like you, because at one point in time, and I still struggle with it too, uh, like um, Renee was saying, with people pleasing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not mm -hmm. as bad as I used to be, mm -hmm. but I still struggle with mm -hmm. that every, so, mm -hmm. every now and then. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but I always want my motives to be because I love the Lord. Yes. So that's what I yes. try to do. Like I say, I'm not successful all the time because sometimes it is about me. But when I find that out, then I do pray about it and ask God to forgive me mm -hmm. and help mm -hmm. me through it. Mm -hmm. So Amen. So thank you for that. Amen. 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 Karen, over here. Go ahead. This has been a stronghold in my life. And from where I came from, that's what I did, practice religion. And it wasn't until I broke free from that environment that I, real, that I became, that I could hear the truth and come into a real relationship with the Lord. Because before, it was all about performance. It was all about show. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. let me tell you, that wore me out. I was born out. <laughs> and it wasn't until we all got out of that environment and began to sit up under truth that began making me free. Mm. I may not be completely free. I still, as Janice said, it still is on me, little mm -hmm. branches, little. Mm -hmm. And God keeps showing me that it's still some tentacles there. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, when, he, when I recognize it and when he show it to me, I can turn from that. And that's the good news. But it's, it has been a stronghold, that religion mm -hmm. lying spirit. <laughs> but I'm confessing it today because I truly want to be set free from that. Amen. In the name Amen. of Jesus. Amen. But the Bible says we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And so when you openly make those kinds of confessions, you're on your way. Amen. 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 Um, just want to say that that religious spirit, you know, I pray all the time, Lord, don't let it get on me. As I'm in an environment where it is mm -hmm. strong. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember coming to church one day and I, I was crying and I, I, I 
I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I heard, um, oh, goodness, dry bones. Mm. And I said, Lord, mm. I just started weeping. Mm. And the Lord told me that he has a remnant. Mm. And so um, I just wanted to start with that, that he mm. said he has a remnant. And he started showing me the different people because mm. I, was, I was ready to go. Mm. Um, and then I want to say this, that um, when this scripture, when I read this scripture all the time, it comes to me, the first thing is um, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And when it says, Lord, Lord, it reminds me of Luke chapter um, 6, verses 46, and why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say. Exactly. So when I think about that, I think about the next thing, when you were talking about motives. Mm -hmm. um, there's people that do all these things and they put the name of Lord on it, but the Lord has not told them to do it. <laughs> so we have to be, make sure that, you know, Lord, make, you know, if the Lord didn't tell me to do it, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to do what mm -hmm. the Lord says to, mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the next part. Mm -hmm. Have we not prophesied in your in thy name? <laughs> you know, have we not done these things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you did mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't mm -hmm. in the name of the Lord mm -hmm. because he didn't tell mm -hmm. you to do it. Amen. So, um, and that's a lot of the things that go on in the church. Mm -hmm. And they want to put their stamp and their name on it and say, this, uh, this ministry did this. You know, or this ministry. No, you didn't do anything. God did it. I said, I'm getting a t-shirt, I promise you, that say, God did it. And on the back, it'll say, ask me what he did. And then I'm going to put the two scriptures that he gave me on it because, no, we only are able to do what the Lord allows us to do, and it's all through him. Amen. All through Jesus. Amen. So Amen. there's so much that... You know, I want to say about this. This was this message today was for me. I'm glad I came. I'm Praise coming back. Praise the Lord. I, I need it. Praise the and Lord. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to say that that when I read Thank the scripture, you. I'm like, Lord, help me. I don't want to do it, Lord. If it ain't your will, you tell me. Is this what you? Because it says. You know, many will say, Lord, Lord, mm -hmm. but only those that do the will of my Father. And Amen. so that's where I want to be, Lord. Amen. Please help me be there. Amen. Thank you, and welcome back. <laughs> Glad to see hubby with you, too. <laughs> you know, when you talked about, I'm going to go to the next point after this. When you talked about prophesying, what people need to understand, what prophecy is all about. It is not reading somebody's mail. And prophecy is not to tell you about how you're going to get that job, that man, that woman, that car. No. Prophecy is declaring what God has said. So it's really preaching. You're declaring what God has said. And whatever God says, you can find it in the Bible. You won't find in the Bible that uh, next week you're going to get that car you want. <laughs> and, and, or you deserve to be happy. You can't find that in the Bible. Do y'all know that? You can't find in the Bible that you're supposed to be happy. Happy about what? But you can find in there that you can be joyful because the one 
greater than he that is in the world is in you causes that joy when nothing is going right. And only he can do that when you living in some bad times or having some hard times and he still have you joyful in the, in the midst of it. Okay, the, the next point. If someone asks you why you're a Christian, or more specifically, how you know you're a Christian, what would you say? Now, I'm going to allow some of my young folks to make comments on that, too. What would you say, how you know that you are a Christian? Y'all want to answer that? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I know I'm a Christian because I can always confide in the Lord when I'm going through hard times. And if it's nobody there, then he's there for me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your courage. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. Oh, oh okay. Okay, I'm going to hope this is appropriate, but what just popped in my head, um, there's a rapper by Kendrick Lamar, he has a, a rap song saying, I am a sinner who's probably going to sin again. I'm not going to sing the whole song, but sometimes when I think, you know, am I a Christian, I think of that song, just that part of the song, I know I'm not perfect, and he's going to be similar to what Sydney said, he's going to be here. I know when I fall. I'm not bleeding, it's just a little scrape. He, he protected me for some way bigger. So that's how I know I'm a Christian. It's like, it's just, for me, it's always been a presence of him being there mm -hmm. without having constantly been told. Being okay. told is kind of like, being told it is kind of like- You um, mean from someone else other than him? Yeah, like even just hearing, you know, pastors or whatever, that's just like the reminder, like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, or mm -hmm. reconfirming. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say, mm -hmm. of what I already feel knowing. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, okay. Praise the Lord. So I believe that I'm a Christian because I believe in the birth, life, and death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of the blood that he shed on Calvary. Amen. Um, I believe that he covers all my transgressions and my sins are as far as east is from west Amen. because of his life and his Amen. death and his resurrection. So. Praise the Lord. That's Amen. why I think I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, what's in my heart is um, I believe that I'm a Christian, which means to be a follower of Christ, which Christ is the living word. So when I hear the word, I am not just a hearer of the word, but I am a doer Do of the word. word. And so that's what is a constant reminder of me, to me, of my, my faith. Amen, amen, praise the Lord. All good answers, praise the Lord. Okay, the next one. Are you tempted to put your faith in anything but the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Are you tempted to put your faith in anything but the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not going to give this to let everybody. I just want an unanimous. <laughs> we are going to have no debate on that one. <laughs> Okay, what, this is the last one. 
What is your version of, Lord, didn't I? What is your version of, Lord, didn't I? Mike, right up here. My version of, Lord, didn't I? Lord, didn't I surrender to your will? Amen. Amen. Right answer. Only answer. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Actually, this is a perfect opportunity after this to pray for the Lord to enter into your heart. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, or if you are a culture Christian and you really want to surrender your way, your life, your will to the Lord, this is the perfect timing for that. Let me tell you, there is nothing else that's going to work for you in life the way having a life in Christ. Um, at the end of your physical days here on this earth, you got to face a reality that without Christ, you can't face it. That means when you're on your deathbed, and believe it or not, especially for you young people, you're going to die. We all are going to die. And we don't know when or how. But you, when you're at that time, you don't want to have to face and look at your life because I understand that it comes right across you. Your whole life just comes across like a, a, a movie. And you don't want to have regrets and want to say, why didn't I? You want to have so much peace that you, 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 you're ready because you know that you're going to live on in eternity with your Savior. And so now you don't have all of the worries and the depression and the troubles and the tribulation and, and all of that. You know you're going to live a glorious life with Christ in his kingdom. And you don't want no regrets. You don't want no, I should have, I could have. You want to say, God, thank you. Thank you that I have abundant life in you. So if you're not sure or you've never really done it, this is a time for you to now repeat after me because you believe in your heart. Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you and I am aware of that now more than I've ever been before. So I'm asking you now to send Jesus into my heart to save me, purge me, cleanse me, redeem me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can see you at the end of this life and live eternally with you in the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord. 
for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to um, do the benediction, and then you'll be free to go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm. God of life and light, our creator and heavenly father, we worship you in humility, spirit, and truth. You know our bondages and strongholds better than we do, so we put ourselves on the altar to be free from generic heritage with all its manifestations, strongholds from our own decisions and behavior, soul ties from sexual abuse, fornication, adultery, and lasciviousness. Free us, Lord. Deliver us, Lord, and heal us, Lord. We believe that Jesus' life and blood gives us the right of passage to these promises of which we receive by faith and rejoice for the victory. We accept the free gift of life in Jesus, and we accept the gift of the Holy Spirit to work in us both forgiveness and new life. Thank you, Jesus, for new life and freedom in Jesus' name. And thank you for our life is in the blood of Jesus. This is the power of life that's in the blood. And I pray that you will have traveling mercies as you leave this place. And when you do leave, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat>